Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 119. We're starting in verse 33 this morning. You can turn in a physical Bible near you or scroll there in, in a Bible app. And um, it's good, especially in these longer sections of Scripture. It's always good to have your Bible open and be looking at it, but uh, especially in these longer sections of Scripture where you can see uh, what we're referring to that, that is really truly coming out of the Word of God, come, flowing from the text of God's Word. There was a professor of uh, Old Testament, uh, uh, just a brilliant man, an excellent scholar, and um, he uh, has taught at a couple of very well-known um, conservative evangelical seminaries, and he wrote many teaching resources. One of them was on prayer. One of them was on prayer, and it's important in getting to know God through Bible study. Uh the importance of getting to know God through Bible study as a subject of prayer. So I want you to think about that as we're looking at Psalm 119, but really all of the Bible. It's important to go to the Word of God prayerful um, and be praying even as you're reading. But he shares early in his life, uh, he approached the Bible from an academic standpoint. He, he wanted to learn as much as he could uh, he wanted to get knowledge. He wanted to understand things, even to understand deep things. And so he would press into the Word of God. One day he heard a pastor, preacher, say, it is necessary to ask God for enlightenment. Now, I'm not talking about some weird kind of enlightenment. I'm just saying uh, the ministry of illumination, which is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we're not reading the Bible as a textbook but as God's living and active word, Hebrews 4.12 tells us. And so he began to pray, Lord, speak to me through your word. Now, he wasn't listening for something audible. What he was saying is, Lord, speak to me through your word. I'm reading your word. Connect my heart and my mind to understanding. Give me understanding according to your word. At first, nothing changed, and so he went on. And that's our temptation, right? Oh, it didn't seem like all that enlightening on day one. So, yeah, it just doesn't work. So we just kick it aside and go back to our regular retreat. No, persist in it, friend. And so he persisted and persisted and persisted. And uh, just about three weeks in, he writes, within three weeks of praying that prayer as I read, my heart began to burn within me. I started to see new things in Scripture. God began revealing to me how His Word should change my life. And I developed a love for His teaching. God heard my prayer, and He began to speak to me through His Word. Friend, the purpose of reading the Bible is is not to get to know the Bible in some abstract, disconnected way from knowing our Father. Or if He is not your Father yet, getting to know God, who can, through faith, very quickly become your Heavenly Father. It's not to have more knowledge to be able to sound intelligent at community group or a Bible study, but it's actually to get to know God. 
A test for you may be, do you get more exhilarated talking about the Bible in front of other people or with your family? Or do you get exhilarated, it may, may not be the best adjective, but do you get equally excited, exhilarated about reading God's Word and studying God's Word and pressing into knowing God through His Word? Or only when you're in front of other people? Just a good question to ask from time to time. The key is praying for progress in Christian maturity as you find God in His Word. Now, I see on the title slide here, Praying for Progress in Christian Ministry. I didn't update the verses there, so we are actually on verses 33 to 48 this morning, right? I saw some of you note-takers that are like, I don't know if we're on the right verse. We're on the right place. My fault. Here we go, Psalm 119. And uh, remember, where it's an acrostic in Hebrew, it doesn't translate into English. So we're going through the Hebrew alphabet there. So those words that you'll see there, um, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, and then we get to Hey today, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Another word for your laws. In your righteousness, give me life. 41, Vav, let your steadfastness, steadfastness, I'm sorry, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly from my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Brothers, sisters, we need to pray for progress in Christian maturity as you find God in his word. Now, that expression, finding God, might, might sound a little tricky. Uh, God does not play hide-and-seek, but it is a little something like, like, well, you remember Where's Waldo? Jay is seven years old. No, I don't. Your mom can explain Where's Waldo to you, okay? Where's Waldo? All these things just looks like a big jumbled mess. If you're a neat freak, you probably can't even look at where's Waldo. But you have to look at that photo. You got to step back from that photo. You have to know, in a sense, what you're looking for. And you just keep looking and looking and looking. You find yourself stare at the, you know, like the upper left corner. And then just move your eyes around the page slowly. If you move too fast, you'll never find it. You just keep looking. Bam, there he is. 
Sometimes trying to find God or understand God according to the word is like looking at, uh, at one of those drawings that it's not where's Waldo, but you just have to keep looking at them until there's a variety of these kinds of things, but you just keep staring at the page. You just keep staring and you just keep staring. And all of a sudden it's like your brain allows your eyes your, or your eyes and your brain seem to connect and it goes, oh, I can interpret data now. And I see a shape or a word. Similarly, and yet still differently, with God and his word, you have to spend enough time with the Lord. You have to spend enough time prayerfully with the Lord and his word until your, not just your eyes and your brain sync up, but until your, your eyes looking at the text, your brain understanding the text, and your heart desiring to know God, to understand him and walk in his ways, all sync up together. And then you read it and you say, oh, there he is. See, the problem's not with God. The problem was with us sitting before God with his word until the Holy Spirit grips our hearts with a desire to know him more fully. So we need to pray for and we need to commit to progress in God's school. This is a commitment. This is like moving from, from preschool to kindergarten to first grade to second grade to third grade to fourth grade. I forgot how to count for a second. Maybe I need to go back. Seventh grade, 10th grade. We keep progressing in maturity. And the apostles make it clear. We're not to be content with simple Christian living. We are to press on in Christian maturity. We are to grow up into Christ. The whole body is to grow up into Christ, who is the head of the body. Every member is to grow up into Christ. You might say, ha, I'm not a member of Oak Grove Church. I don't have to grow. No, no, no. Every member of the capital C church is to grow up into the head who is Christ. Our mind, our feet, our heart, our eyes. That's sort of what we see in the beginning of this section, verses 33 through 37 here in particular. And I'll tell you, this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. It's important to have a, a well-rounded education. To, to, to read the Bible and just understand something with our mind does not serve you well if your heart, if the, the decision center of who you of your being is not ready to engage in obe obedience to the Lord. If you're just seeking knowledge, well, the Apostle Paul says, well, knowledge puffs up. Good for you. You've got some knowledge. No, friend, our, our, our mind needs to, to be in a place where we're willing and we're ready to learn. You don't just open the Bible, you know, I've talked to, to people at times, and if, you, if this is your practice, I'll encourage you to a different practice, but I'm not just trying to, to sort of like rail on you this morning. But I've spoken with people at times, and I just, you know, how's your time in the Lord going? Oh, yeah, one day I flip here, and I just see what God has for me, and then the next day I, I flip here, and I see what God has for me, and I would just say, stop doing that right now. Stop doing that. Pick a place. Well, where? Well, it almost doesn't matter. Almost anything is better than this. 
Because God's word needs to be understood in its context. Words have relationship in, I'm sorry, words have meaning in relationship to other words, right? And that doesn't mean you can't go to a passage of scripture and sit there and, and glean much from it. I'm not trying to communicate that. But we do need to go about reading God's word in such a way that we give our minds the best opportunity to understand what's happening in God's word. A well-rounded education is important. Now, some of you uh, are going to go to college. Some of you aren't going to go to college. Some of you have gone to college. Some of you haven't gone to college. This isn't about college or not. This is about if you learn a trade, for example, and you want to be successful in that trade, well, you need to learn what's necessary for that particular trade. You say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn a trade and open up my own business. Great. Then you need to know more than just the trade itself. You need to learn how to build relationships with people. You need to know how to manage and maintain relationships with people. You need to learn how to solve problems uh, relationally. If you're going to run a business and deal with customers, you need to learn how to manage the books or do well enough that you can afford to pay someone to do the books. You see what I'm getting at? It's more than just about learning one particular aspect of something, but it's about being well-rounded enough. And the same is true of believers in knowing the Lord and knowing the scriptures. In God's school, being well-rounded is important for our progress in Christian maturity. Mark it down, brothers and sisters, every one of us, man, woman, boy, girl, is to be on a path of Christian maturity. Now, the path does not shoot immediately up. There's not that steep of a grade to it. There's not intended to be. And your path might look like this. Maybe you start here, and you grow some, and then you, and then you kind of plateau for a little while. And then you, and then you grow some more, and then maybe, maybe you plateau. Plateau doesn't always mean bad. Maybe it means you're, 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 you're in circumstances where God allows you to continue putting what you learned here into practice as you move forward in life chronologically speaking, and then maybe some circumstance happens in your life and you feel like you have just tanked. And you wonder, does God still love me? Am I even a Christian? Well, I would say you're probably just learning something in life. You're learning something from God's grace in the school of hard knocks. And you're learning some things. And if you'll repent, and if you'll see the kindness of God in it, then you'll thrive and you'll grow. And I will tell you, there's not any one path of discipleship that is the optimal path. I, I've known people who've, who've come to faith and spent most of their life just kind of treading along, and then toward the end of their life, they just thrive in the Lord. Boom, then the Lord takes them home. So don't misunderstand. There's not one particular path, but, but it is important to know that we need to be in pursuit of knowing the Lord through His Word and in prayer if we're going to grow. And that is every Christian's pursuit. That is every Christian's pursuit, or it should be every Christian's pursuit. Right? Your mind. He says, teach me the way of your stature to give me understanding, and I will keep it with my whole heart. Do you see that commitment? Teach me, Lord, and I'll keep it. Not just teach me, give me more knowledge, help me learn it, I'll put it into practice. My boys walk around the house. I don't even know what this is from, but I walk around. The, they're not even here this morning, but do you know the way? Anybody know what that's from? No. My boys walk around the house. Do you know the way? Do you know the way? And I was thinking about that as I was writing this morning, as I, as I was 
you know, do you know the way? Do we know the way that, that God has called us to grow, that God has equipped us to grow? G.K. Chesterton said, the only Christian doctrine that is provable is the doctrine of original sin. Right? We don't, we don't need to be taught how to avoid sin. Every one of us comes out of the womb knowing how to sin. We're pretty good at it. Right? Even before we know how to talk, we know how to sin. There's a difference between a baby's cry. Have you heard me say this before? Difference between a baby's cry that is, that is uh, letting you know that he or she is hungry or in pain or whose tummy doesn't feel well or I just want some relationship and a baby that is just spitting mad because they're not getting their way. God is a kind teacher. He's a gracious teacher. And, and as the great teacher, he teaches us how to walk in righteousness. Anytime, you, anytime you're stagnant, you will drift downstream. Every time you will drift downstream. But as you press into knowing the Lord, God will teach you how to swim upstream against the current of your own temptation towards sin. Romans 12, I'm going to list several verses here because they're important for us to see this morning. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says, uh, that's not how you learned Christ. This is verse 21. Uh, according, if, if, if you have learned from him to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, 5 through 10, strong activity here, put to death. Therefore, whatever is earthly in you, and he lists several examples, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Second Peter 1, 3, his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That's both intellectual or cognitive, I should say, cognitive uh, head knowledge about God and personal experiential knowledge, knowing him as savior. And so our, our, our minds matter as we seek guidance for understanding how God wants us to live. God doesn't guide us through mystical revelations. We can't count on God's uh, providential ordering of all of the circumstances in our lives, because sometimes what we think is a closed door is the exact door that the Lord wants you to either walk through or stand up against and wait on him to either open later or lead you through now. The apostles and the prophets, they were always being given over to death in this sense, always going up against hard times, always, always sacrificing, always surrendering for the sake of the body of Christ. 
We need to train our feet. Right? Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. He says, give me understanding with my whole heart. I'll observe it. And then feet, 35, lead me in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in them. So progress in Christian maturity means that God's word guides our steps. It guides our paths. Thomas Manton, a great uh, Puritan commentator, wrote, he says, in previous verses, David begged for light. Now he prays for strength to walk according to this light. Give me understanding, Lord, so that I can walk according to it. You ever walk through a field with high grass? Maybe the grass is up to your, up to your knees, or, or maybe it's even uh, shorter grass and, and the field is wet or something like that. What do we tend to do? Well, we tend to find where the path has been trodden, find where the path has been, uh, has been beaten down uh, by other people who've gone before us and apparently didn't fall in a pit because the path keeps going on. So it looks like an okay, safe place to go. If you can't see where to walk, you look for these paths that have been trodden before you. Don't look for a new path. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Walk in the paths of the saints. Follow those who've gone before us, who've walked in faith. We have a a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us in faith. We have saints at Oak Grove Church or saints at other churches that you've been a part of or saints who are a little further along than you are right now. Maybe because of their age, maybe it's not age-related. You might be someone that's older, that's humble enough to follow someone younger. Boy, what a grace to be able to walk in the paths of someone who's spiritually a little further along than you and follow them and learn from them. I promise as you do that, you'll teach them a little something about humility along the way. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Their problem was they said, well, we won't, we won't walk in it. We, we want something new. We want something flashy. Even if there's something old that we like, that we're recovering as a culture, we call it vintage. And vintage is cool, but just old. No, vintage sells for twice the price. Old, it's just old. We need to delight our heart for the things of God rather than self, rather than worthless things, he says in verse 36. Not to, not to selfish gain. He says, Lord, help me to love what you love. Help me to hate what you hate. Incline my heart or, or turn my heart or direct my heart toward what you want, God. Never what I want, because I want to please myself. I run after temporary things. Lead me to love what you love. Lead me to love whom you love. Lead me to love how you love. So that I can walk in your ways. So that I can learn to follow you faithfully. Transition verse here. Finally, brothers, Paul says, whatever is true, honorable, just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise. Think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. 
So verse 37, turn my eyes, he says, from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. We need to ask the Lord to direct our eyes, to direct our ears. But we're not, we're not just leaving that up to God to do. We have responsibility in this to take in things that are worth building us up, to take in things that point us to the Lord. What TV show do you watch that you continually are not guarding the gate of your eyes? What music or, or talk shows or podcasts or, I mean, you can name any kind of media that doesn't inform you in a way that it leads you to Christ? What are you taking in of culture without being discerning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need discernment back in the church of Jesus Christ. We need to be discerning, not just to receive everything that sounds good. The problem is, if we don't connect our mind to God's word and our heart and our feet being ready to walk in the ways, we look for anything that sounds good. Many people can have a heart directed to the Lord, but a lack of discernment, and they will follow anything that sounds good, anything that sounds positive. Sometimes I just want to delete my Facebook account because I see some of the garbage that comes across it. And I'm not even talking about stuff that looks anti-Christian. I'm talking about stuff, believers that I know that read this stuff and then post this stuff. And I just like, it feels good, but it's void of truth. It's void of any richness of truth. Friends, we need to connect our mind, our feet, and our hearts, and our eyes and our ears to be giving attention to what God wants for us and from us. Why? Because with the psalmist, we believe that he is good. Therefore, what he says is good. Therefore, I commit my life to it. We need to stay in school through graduation all the way up. We need to keep learning and keep learning and keep learning. Older saints, there never comes a day when you stop. There never comes a day when you stop. Your service may look different, but oh, dear friends, it is rich and powerful. You who can go before and give dedicated time to praying for younger marriages in the church and, and children to grow up and love Jesus with their whole heart. We never, ever stop. Moses. Moses refused to be part of Pharaoh's family because, because he'd rather have been mistreated with God's people than to enjoy this the fleeting pleasures of sin. Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, verse 26 tells us, he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth. I need to read that verse better. That scripture, I want to get that right. He considered the reproach of Christ greater, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Isn't that just like our Savior, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father? Progress in Christian maturity brings freedom, brings peace in standing for the Lord. It can only take a few minutes on this second section, but even in verse 38, he says, Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. In other words, Lord, I've, I've, I'm following you. I'm, I'm striving and following you. Not perfectly, but I'm striving to follow you. Con confirm this is the right way. It's like your GPS that says, you have arrived. Lord, be faithful to your promise. Keep your word. I know you will, but help me to see that you keep your word. 
so that I know that I'm walking on the right path, so that I know that I'm following you, that I'm walking with you. Turn away those who fight against me, the reproach I dread. And then he prays for grace, verse 41. Steadfast love in the Old Testament is a New Testament version of that. That idea would be grace. And he says, let your steadfast love, let your grace come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then, then I'll have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust your word. Oh, don't take your word utterly from my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. Maturing believers enjoy God's grace of, of trust, being able to trust God's word in difficult circumstances, of, of, of comfort, of the kind of comfort that's not looking for an earthly ease, but, but a comfort and a calm and peace in knowing that whatever happens, you're in Christ. And if the Lord takes you today, even through tragic circumstances, you're in Christ. He's delivered you. He'll deliver your soul. Psalm 45 speaks to this well. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme, and I address my verse to the king. My tongue is like a pen of a ready scribe, and you are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Verse 45, he says, I will walk in a wide place. Sounds very much like Psalm 23, doesn't he? Doesn't it? Psalm 23, verse 5, where he says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, when we're walking in as our, our, our mind and our heart and our feet and our eyes and ears are ready and striving after the Lord, we walk and we don't feel unsteady. We don't claim to have all the answers, but we walk as though we're walking on a wide path. You ever walked on a path and you've had to sort of like kind of tread lightly? Had to walk on a path where, I mean, it might not be the Grand Canyon on your side, on, on one of your on one of your sides, but you're walking carefully. Maybe you've been hiking and you think, man, if I misstep here, I'm going to break an ankle or something. It's not good. And he says, when you walk with me, when you're following me, you walk as though you're in a wide place because you are in a wide place. We have freedom. We sense freedom. We know freedom. And he talks about committing his ways, lifting up his hands. It's a way of expressing joy. I'm filled with joy. I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. I will lift up my hands. It's like saying, I, I will take off my hat. Hats off sign of respect and honor in joy. Why do we read the Bible sometimes but not meditate on it? Now to be clear, when I use the word meditate, 
I'm using it very differently than you'll hear it in most contexts. The world says to meditate by emptying yourself. God says meditate by filling yourself. Not with your thoughts, but with God's word. Meditate. Fill yourself. Fill yourself. Saturate yourself with the word of God. To be honest with you, I, I was super distracted with some things this morning. Everything's okay, but I just was very, very distracted. My heart was distracted. I just sat at my desk upstairs during Sunday school, and I just wrote out this psalm over and over. Well, only two times because I don't write very fast. But I just wrote it out word for word. All 16 verses, and then I flipped over the page and I wrote it out again. And as I was writing out God's word, the Lord just began to steady me. The Lord just began to focus my heart. The Lord just began to focus my mind. Now, I will tell you, there are times where I've said, I'm going to go spend four hours um, and I'm going to have four hours of worship and prayer with the Lord and Sherilyn's got the kids and times Sherilyn has done that and I've had the kids and sometimes getting focused in those moments can be the hardest of things. But then when you get focused, when you've given proper time to saying, Lord, I'm here. I've set apart my life and my schedule. Not because you're all that and you expect all kinds of blessing from God except for himself. You say, Lord, I'm here for you. Give me more of you. God doesn't say you have to prove yourself. But you do have to get away. You do have to focus your mind. You do have to prioritize your life. To get away, to be with God. And sometimes that can happen in 20 seconds. Where you focus. And you're with the Lord. You're ready to learn. You're ready to obey you're desiring more of knowing him, not just what to do, but so that you can follow his ways. And sometimes it takes a long, long time. That may just depend on your personality or your habits. But friends, what we can learn from what David is, or the psalmist is teaching us here is we need to connect our mind, be ready with our feet, have a heart that's ready and committed and set aside to the Lord. And filter everything that's coming in through the Word of God so that everything that we see is flowing from the Word of God. As we're doing all of that, we're praying and saying, Lord, give me progress in Christian maturity. I want to find you. I want to know you through your Word. Jesus, second person of the Trinity, would get up while it was still dark. He didn't need knowledge. To be with his father. Church, let's be with our father. Let's pray and say, Lord, help me to know you more. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.